my whole mentality in terms of how I approach my running and my racing has changed hugely and definitely for the better. Um, I just am not, I'm not so focused on the end goal. I'm more focused on the process and the joy in it. And that right there is worth it because we do this for fun. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> there's nobody like holding a gun to our head saying go run 26.2. Like we're picking, we're choosing to do this and like it should be fun. And so to have just gotten that mindset from all of it, yeah, it honestly does make it worth it. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 125 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Meet Polly Moody, mom of two, full-time teacher, and 246 marathoner. Polly tore her ACL and meniscus two years ago when her running had been on an upward trajectory. She tackled a long, difficult rehab where she faced some setbacks and had some serious doubts on whether she would make it back to her previous form. Polly injected more long runs on trails and shifted her focus to process versus outcome. Along the way, she found more joy and the fastest, best version of her running self. Polly just turned 40 and her speedy 246 time earned her ninth in her age group in Chicago and a free bib through the American Development Group for the 2024 race. Stoked to follow Polly's inspiring journey. Hope you all enjoy the listen. Polly Moody, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How you doing this evening? Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, we were having a little fun with Zoom, trying to get everything sorted before we came on, but it's normal. It's normal tech we live in. We always have a few challenges, right? Of course. Just grateful I don't have to do it every day anymore. Yeah. You're, so you're a teacher outside of your running life and uh, you're back in the classroom now, right? So that's got to be fun, right? Thank goodness. <laughs> it's good, good to be back in there. Good to be back, right? And it's kindergarten, right? Uh, yeah. So I teach kindergarten in the morning and then I teach um, K to five to Z in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So you got two different age groups. So um, are they aware of your running? Are they aware of like what went down in Chicago? Like, do you ever bring the racing into the classroom and, you know, share your medals? And do they know you had like a breakthrough race and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, like this year, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of am incognito, incognito a little bit at school. Um, some of the other staff members kind of know, but um, I think like some years I've shared, like last year when I ran Houston, my students were like, well, why aren't you here? Why aren't you here tomorrow? And I was like, well, I'm going to run a race. And so I did kind of end up telling them a little bit about Houston. And then they were so disappointed that I didn't win the race when I came back. <laughs> and they're just like, this is a finisher's medal. <laughs> but no, this year, nobody knew about Chicago. It was just, I was doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the age is so different between kindergarten or just a few grades further out. But yeah, it's all about, that's probably the most common question. Well, do you win? Do you win the races you're in? I still get people asking me that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I win. I said, every time I, every time I lace them up, I win. But uh, right. yeah, it used to piss me off when I was younger. But now I'm just like, yep, I win. I win every single time I run a race. <laughs> That's yes. it. I, it's me, man. I'm in first place, man. It's me. Thank Kipchoge. So yeah, totally. that, yeah that's, what, that's what's up, man. That's definitely what's up. So how have you been, man? How, you know, Chicago's not that long ago. Obviously I was there myself, but not that long ago. 
And I just saw recently on Instagram, you did your first workout. So how's it been, man? Has it settled in? Like how great a day you had? You're on 246.34, huge PR coming off of the major, major surgery. How's it been just feeling, you know, that break of five weeks, I'm pretty sure I saw that you took, which I love. Um, how's it been so far? Yeah, it's been really good. I I took a break and I needed it. Um, I'm like really satisfied with how Chicago went. Just so I think that made like taking some time off maybe a little bit easier. And then I've just kind of like, I feel like I've been working pretty steadily since kind of last fall. So it's been a solid year of like, not really much of a break. And so, yeah, I took two weeks totally off running and then, um, a couple of weeks of just like running whenever I wanted to running how far and how long I wanted to. And I knew I needed that break. Cause there was no part of me in that time. that was like chomping at the bit to get back. at it. I was just like, no, this is, this is what I need. I need sleep. I need. Yeah. So I'm feeling really good right now. I feel like this week, I, yeah, just my first workout yesterday um and then now i kind of feel like i'm like i could get back on it and maybe start training again again so that's the plan ready for the reset button um i wish more i wish more people would do that um that's kind of the, you what you just described is uh the very textbook definition of listening to your body but people think of listening to your body just by like running injuries and you know if their calf is bothering them or achilles or a muscle group or a hard bone injury or something, they go by that. But really it's post-race. Um, there's just so many times we feel great and we feel like we just conquered the world. We just ran a PR. Maybe we ran a negative split. Maybe we beat all of our own expectations. So it's like, let me go right back in. Let me hop right back on the horse, get back into it. And more times than not, that won't end well. Um, it might it might seem like it's going to go well, and then all of a sudden something's lurking out there. So I think, especially given your major surgery and how long it took you to get back to this point, kudos to you for for taking that break. I think you learn things over time too. Like I'm not I'm not super new to this anymore, and so I think for me now too, and especially coming off of injury, it's like I'd rather take the break now than be forced out of it. And I know that. Yeah, it's pretty easy to, anytime you just keep pushing, inevitably there's going to be something that stops you at some point. So you may as well chill out. Yeah, wise words for sure. And um, when you start to get that itch back, that's a good indicator. Like, gee, you know, now, and not just running, like you said, you you had no plan of, you know, what, how many days you were going to run or how far you're going to run. That's another great way of like just tuning into when you're ready to start resuming something uh, more formal and uh, as far as your running practice goes itself, are you coaching yourself? You work with a coach. Like, how's that been going for you so far? Yeah, I've been with my coach for a while now. So I'm trying to remember. So he's in Toronto. I'm in Calgary. So we're on opposite ends of the country. Um, so the way it works is he just sends me my plan for every week um, over email. We chat sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I hired him after my first time I ran Chicago in gosh, 2014. So I ran a 304 in Chicago 2014. And then I was like, I want to go sub three. So I hired him. And then the following spring, um, I ran a 258. I got my first sub three with him. And so I've just stuck with him since then. I'm the only person he's coaching now. He's not really like big into it, but he's kept me along because I'm pretty easy. <laughs> he just sends me what to do and I do it essentially. <laughs> 
That's great. And you have something good going. So, um, you know, you, you keep, keep building on that. So that's terrific. And so first sub three was in Chicago and now you took a was made- the Boston, sorry. Oh, Boston. Okay. Four was Chicago. And then the following spring, it was, uh, 258 in Boston, 258 in Boston. And now, now we're at 246. So talk about the race a little, um, I know what time you ran, but what was the race like? I mean, did, what was your plan like? How did the race actually unfold? Talk to me about your fueling, just the whole deal. Give it, give it to us. Let us know how it went. Yeah. Um, so going in, I was pretty confident, um, but a little bit apprehensive because I hadn't run a marathon in four years. So um, there was definitely that element of unknown. Um, so my training had gone really well. I ran, I, I did a half marathon in August and um went sub 80 in it. And that's kind of when I knew that my training had clicked a little bit. And so kind of after that half, I had a few peak long runs and everything just kind of went well. So I was heading into that race with some good confidence. Yeah. But definitely apprehensive about, um, I don't know, it's the marathon, right? Like everything can go right in training, but you're not owed anything on race day. Um, and so because I hadn't run a marathon in so long. Our plan, uh, the plan that I hashed, hashed out with my coach was pretty conservative. Um, I really wanted to leave Chicago with like a solid time if, if possible, like set myself up to run a solid time. And so, you know, sometimes if you want a certain time, you're willing to like go and, and push yourself and just see if you can hang on. Um, my strategy was definitely not that heading into the race. It was really like um, to start out conservatively and just to, to try to get a good race under my belt because it had been so long since I'd run a marathon. So we, yeah, so the plan for sure was to go out conservatively. I did. Um, I think my first 5K were like right around 20 minutes. Um, so a little bit slower than goal pace. My goal going into the race was 246. That's what I'd written on my mirror back in June. Um, which was a 90, a 90 second PR for me at the time. Um, and so, yeah, so 246 was a goal, went out conservatively. I, yeah, everything felt good, but I, um, I definitely held back a little bit. Um, the biggest, the only thing that didn't go according to plan on race day was I had to use a portable body. <laughs> so that was like, it was my first time ever having, I was so frustrated. So like on the start line, I was all ready to go. And then like, you know, you got to get into your corral early and I'm like waiting for the race to start. And I'm like, I think I have to pee, but like I'm in a starting corral, like that's 98% male. I'm not going to go in the corner right now. So like, maybe it's just nerves. Maybe it's just nerves. So yeah, I started out the race mode conservatively, but like that whole probably like first 10 miles was like, okay, this isn't getting any better. This isn't getting any better. And like by like 10 mile, 10, 11, I was like, this is all I can think about. So I, yeah, um, unfortunately like around mile 11, uh, had to beeline it for a porta potty came out running, <laughs> got back into it, tried to make up some time. I think I maybe did make up a little bit of time, but I didn't want to go too fast. So yeah. So that was like the first half was everything good except that. Um, I came in half at like 124. Um, and so I ran a pretty big negative split. I pushed it sort of till 
like kilometer 35 and then knew I had something left in me there and hammered it home pretty fast um the last 5k so I'd made up quite a bit of time in the last 5k or for sure my fastest five so I'm really happy with how I executed that race like everything went according to plan that was totally like textbook like how I wanted to run it other than the bathroom break um and so yeah like I had no no niggles like nothing like nothing with my body that came up um I would say I felt really good and at the end of the day my coach and I kind of sat back together and sort of thought like it might have actually been possible to run it faster but yeah no regrets that's a great recap and um I don't know for me when I have to go when any of us have to go I think actually um it just seems that then every time we see a porta john as we're running by or we see a sign that says bathroom or if somebody's injured and they see like a medical sign or something it's just like it's just this magnet like pulling you like okay Polly go to the bathroom <laughs> or I've had these conversations with my mom my mom will be like well what goes through your head when you're out there all day I go mom you have no idea but I promise you <laughs> if you think you have to go to the bathroom and you just keep passing porta johns it's like no 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 I can't see that so like I'm sure that some <laughs> Somewhere in there that was just like pulling you. But at some point we know there's no choice. You just have to go. Yeah. Um, and luckily for you, you didn't lose too much time and you dropped in another gear. I'm sure you threw a little fart lick, some, some pickups in there um, to try to make some of that time up. But man, what a well-executed race, like a two minute um, negative split in the second half. And it sounds like you even ran your last 5k the fastest. So that's very big uh, confidence builder, man. You got to be stoked about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it's funny because I mean, you look back at like your marathon journey and like, I look back to how I started and like, I can confidently say never did I ever think that like, I'd be sitting here at the age of 40 saying, oh, I think I need, I'm going to run a sub 245 at some point. Like, <laughs> Never did I ever. And so when I finished that race, I was like, I had to run a sub 245. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. And, um, you know, age is always a tricky thing um, because there's the people out there, the huge groups of people out there are like to go with the age is just a number. And I just tell all those people to fuck off because <laughs> trust me, you're, you just turned 40. So you are an absolute youngster, but I know that anybody who just turned 40, they don't feel like that. Of course they don't. I remember when I was 40, I thought, Jesus, I'm 40. You know, I'm just going to be 63 in January. So the people who say that they're full of shit, they're not, you know, nothing comes easy. Nothing gets easier. Um, what we get better at is our execution. Um, we get better at really crystallizing how bad we want something and maybe how we're going to go about it um, between you and your coach and years of working together and just saying, wow, like, what can I do? Or what other little things can we change uh, in our approach to training? Because to execute a race like that, that well, it's very, uh, it's very affirming, you know, moving forward, like going for the future. So it's great. Did you, did you make any changes in how you approach your training? I think I read that you did more trail running and you weren't as focused on paces on your like long runs and whatnot, but that could be, I might be mixing you up with another runner. So no, I try totally to do my it. research that way, but who knows? <laughs> no, you got it. Um, so yeah, I think cause I was forced to take some time off, um, with my knee surgery, um, that was like a forced reset for me. So, um, to go from like running, I was like in peak shape and then, um, COVID hit and then I blew my ACL and then it was surgery. And so to go through all that and have running like taken away from you, um, 
it forces you to, it changes your mindset. And so this summer was my first marathon training cycle in four years. And so for me, I was just, I was so happy to be back training that I was way less focused on like nailing paces. And I I was not hard on myself at all. Like I would, if I failed to work out, I could get over it. I was like really just focused on enjoying the process. And so that was a huge switch for me coming pre knee injury. Um, and so the A goal, like the main goal was to just enjoy marathon training and having that mindset changed everything for me. So I just, yeah, it just made everything happy and like, I don't know, things clicked because of it. And then, um, the other big thing I added was just a bunch of trail running. Um, and so I live in Calgary, I live, uh, like an hour from Banff. And so a short drive to some pretty beautiful and inspiring trails. Um, and so this summer was the first time through marathon training that I really added quite a few trail miles. And so long days on the trail, just like really slow, long days on the trail with elevation gain with friends, some like over marathon distance on trail. Um, and so that I feel like made a huge difference in terms of my fitness. And so I think, um, yeah, after I ran the Edmonton half and I was reflecting on like how I, I was shocked myself at how I finished that half marathon, like going into my half marathon and in August, I think I thought I was going to run like a 121, 122, and I ran a 119. And the only thing that I think of in terms of like how that fitness snuck up on me were those days on the trail. And so days on trail, changing my mindset, both were like the only things I really did differently. Mileage was about the same. Some long, some a little bit more mileage some weeks just because I could swing it because I was running slower on trail. Yeah. So you're, uh, the, the approach change is important because you're taking some of the pressure off. Um, so many of us, when we're in a cycle, it's like, it's live and die with every single long run segment. It's live and die. It's like it, we put more importance on it for Christ's sakes than the actual races. It's like, if I don't do this 21 or 22 miler with three, five K segments in a river, like, it's just like all of a sudden I'm getting stressed just saying it right now because I've been there so many times myself. And so has every runner that's talked to me across the screen. But when we let go of that, and find some other ways. Of course, we still have to do that kind of work. It just maybe doesn't have to be in so many of the long runs. Maybe another way uh, as you approach it, because you're building strength, you're doing a ton of vertical, you're running on a different surface. So everything's getting stronger. Your ankles are getting stronger. Your feet are getting stronger. Um, your cardio is getting better. And your upper body, you're using your carriage more. Like just everything is is really, you know, getting a workout in that in that process. So I think there's some some really cool lessons learned there for you. And, you know, because you live there, obviously you can, you know, repeat that process again. It's not like you traveled or had to go there. Um, as some people do, they travel and go to altitude or they travel and go to the mountains to get their work in. So you have that uh, out, maybe not necessarily at your door, but it's accessible to you. So I think that's a great approach for you. Um, so what's, um, do you have a next big race or goal in mind? Or is it just going to be like, let's chill for a little while. Let's work on speed again. Um, like, what are you thinking about right now? Yeah. So it was hard when I finished Chicago, like part of me wanted to just like up and run another marathon this spring. Cause I felt like I left a little bit on the table. Um, but I talked myself out of that just cause, um, I actually find it really like when I'm working full time, I've got two kids at home. Um, 
I find it really hard during the school year to pull off a really good marathon cycle. So um, like through the summer, I can run, you know, 75, 77 miles a week. I'm off of work. And then like through Chicago, I managed to carry that into the fall. And it was just like, I just have to hold on for like three, four weeks. Um, But that's not sustainable while I'm working for like most of the winter. Um, And so, yeah, so we've sort of decided that um, my 10K time is like my low lying fruit, my 10K PB right now. Um, I haven't really done a really good 10K cycle. Like my PB was from like three weeks after I raced a half marathon, like a glory. So um, I'm hoping to take down my 10K PB this spring. Um, I've got a couple of races potentially lined up for that. Um, and then I think that'll just be manageable. I have to do a lot on the treadmill in the winter because it's dark and icy. And so I think 10K training will be really good. And then um, hopefully I'll get some speed back into my legs because they're definitely marathon legs right now. And then the fall, I'm going to, the fall plan is Chicago again. I've already got my registration for that. So You're already locked in to go back. I love it. You have you have the good, the good history there. Um, 10 K's, 10 K's a little soft. Go get it, man. And you know what, for all the people that gripe and bitch about treadmill, um, I don't really want to do the treadmill work, but when I had somebody coaching me through one cycle that insisted that I run one workout a week on the treadmill, she was so right. And, um, she's one of my closest friends and we train a lot. She's been on my show a couple of times. Um, we did the New York city course preview. She's top 20 in New York city and she was one place behind Sarah Hall in Boston. So, and she's also run ultras in one. So like she has the range, she's done Ironmans and she's just like, listen, man, this is not just, I'm not hating on you because you're older. She says, I want you on the treadmill, not just because of less pounding, it's good for your turnover. I want you to work on your turnover. And she goes, I know how you are because you're going to get on the treadmill, you're going to be running slow, and then you're going to get pissed off and want to get start going faster and just going to keep going faster. And you're going to find out quickly that you can run fast on the treadmill again once you get used to it. And I did not want to do those workouts, Polly, I got to tell you. And then week after week, um, it really helped. And it took a while for me to realize that it was holding up on the roads too, because you start wondering, yeah. well, can I, really, can I really do this? I mean, I just ran, you know, 10 miles at 610 pace. Like, can I really do this outside? And then if you can, or maybe you do 615 or something, you're like, wow, like that actually worked. So, you know, you're forced to because of the dark and the ice and where you live and it's safety. Of course, my God, who, where are you going to run with a giant headlamp or, you know, like a snow yeah, cat, so you just a snow cat following you around or something. No. I mean, <laughs> you know, like it would be dangerous as hell, but yeah. So that sounds like a, a really great plan. And uh, Chicago, are you going to be in the American development group this time? I would think, right? Yeah, I managed. So, like, the I actually got a free bib, which is so nice. Awesome. Um, I'll take it. World majors are expensive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the qualifying time for like a master's bib for women is sub two fifty. So um, when I found that out, I was like, sweet, I'm definitely in <laughs> again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and like back to your like treadmill point. I ran like when I ran my half marathon PB, I ran every single workout in that build on a treadmill. I didn't run one on, on like solid ground. And so there's people that like, I, I know like sometimes it's like in your head, but because it's just hard, like it's, some people find it really hard to run on a treadmill, but you can get really fit running on a treadmill. Um, and it's the same thing for me. Like every spring I've been training all winter on the treadmill and the first workout that I do outside, I'm like, can I move my legs that fast without a belt? Like making them move that Yeah. Fast? 
Yes. And then you do like, it's like ripping off the bandaid every spring. Like, Oh, I just did my outdoor first outdoor workout and it works. So like, yeah. It's a good system. And I'm really glad to hear it's working well for you. I know it works for plenty of other people who come on, come on my show too. And then just as you said, some people just really struggle with that. Either it's people are around them that are close to them and that makes them feel uncomfortable or it's not cool enough in the room. Like there's so many things that, that can affect us. You know, like, do we have fresh air? I'm actually lucky enough that I can actually open windows in my building. I live in an apartment complex and it's like an open gym areas that are open and you know, I can, it's cold, it's cold, you know, New York city air, but it's like, bring it. I yeah, want to be cold. Better than hot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, way, way better than hot for sure. So great. So you're set, you'll go after some speed, you tackle that, you'll be back in uh, Chicago and they, they treat the American development group. That group is handled well. I mean, you're basically treated almost pretty much the same as the elites. I mean, in terms of how it, it's managed for you and the logistics in Chicago, I, I'll debate this point with anybody. It's the best major as far as logistics. It's just the best. 100%. Um, yeah. There are eight stations. You could measure them with a tape measure. The tables are that precisely far apart on each side every single time. There's no gaps. There's no screw ups. There's no, it wasn't on the left side. It's on the right side. It's the same every single year. It's just unbelievably precise um, in terms of the Gatorade first, then the water left side, right side. And then of course, when you're an elite athlete or you're in the American development group, you have your bottle service. So I can only imagine that that is done just as well or with as much care if they're going to handle the regular athletes, the main 50K as well as they do. So uh, good for good for that part. And then you also have access to your own bathrooms in the American Development Group. So if you do have to pee, yes. you'll be able I to jump the same there. issue next year. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, wait, like Polly has to pee. Something I'll only yeah. do once, yeah. right? Like I feel like everything yeah. happens at least once in a marathon. And like, yeah, you learn certain lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. where did Polly go? Oh, she went to pee. She doesn't want to stop at mile 11 this year. Exactly. Don't worry, we got her. Yeah, it's not like you're in the main corral and you're gonna have to like, you know, fight 12 people to get your spot back. You'll you'll be good to go. So that's cool, super cool. Um, so some of the basic questions that I ask every, every runner, just more background, because running is running, but I always love to get into the psychological side. So growing up, like high school, college days, did you have like a key mentor or someone? Because obviously you became a teacher. So did anybody impact you? Somebody specifically, it could be a coach, it could be a teacher, specifically somebody who's had an impact on you in your life. Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, I had, I was so, I've been so well supported through life. I can't say there's not like one person that's like, yeah, I don't know. Don't I don't worry, don't, don't worry about one. it. Like Leave I've it. been like so well supported. I have like a the whole crew of people around that like make my life easier. So there's so many shout outs I could give. Um, but yeah, there's not like one. Don't worry about it. Put it in the back of your mind. If as we're talking further, you're like, well, that would be more my mom or my dad or some teacher. It doesn't matter. It's just, I like to know like who influences people. Sometimes it is a coach somewhere in grade school who is like notices a talent and it mightn't have anything to do with your running. So um, as far as drive, energy, spirit, competitiveness, um, runners, man, that's what we are. We all have that fire. We'll have that streak. Some of it's inward, some of it's outward, but I love to know where it comes from. In your case, like who do you think your, or where do you think your drive energy spirit comes from? Um, I would say I'm like feisty, like my mom, <laughs> she's like this fiery redhead. Like you don't mess with her. <laughs> um, and so I think like to some extent, like, 
I was sort of, I was just born with that. And I think you are, you're not like, I see it in my own kids. Like my son is like super fiery competitive and we've got to like talk him down all the time. And I would say that was me as a kid. Like I was like the kid who, if I like lost, like I played badminton growing up, if I like lost a badminton game on Friday night, I'd be like in tears about it. Like so upset. And so I was really competitive from a young age and it took me a long time to like pull in the reins and get a hold of that. Um, but for sure, I would say that that comes from my mom's side. <laughs> Love it. So I imagine game night and all that kind of stuff was competitive, man. I would oh, bet. Man. I can make anything competitive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, now, and now you have your son in the fold. So it's like, oh, yep. Yeah. yeah. We flipped a few Monopoly boards at the Romano house growing up. And so who was, right? who was cheating with the cash and, you know, stealing from the bank? I mean, you know, look, man, it's if people are just, you're either that way growing up or you're not. And I'm around so many families that are just like so laid back and so casual and so chill. We're like, yep, that wasn't my family, man. We were like competing at everything, man. Yeah, like it's really hard to parent, but at the same time, like for sports, it's not a bad thing because like you're in it to fight. <laughs> and so like you can't literally like coach someone to that. Like that's something you have or you don't. And it, I mean, it's it's hard in some aspects of life, but like for sports, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how did you get your start? How did you find running to start with? Um, I guess like my earliest running would have been like elementary cross country, like my earliest days. Um, so I have like memories of that. Oh, it's still like I did it in a park that I still run through now from time to time. And every time I run through that park, I like think of like my seven-year-old self doing cross country, which is kind of cool. Um, and I did like cross country and track through junior high and high school, but it's not, it wasn't like really coached. It was like just pretty like super low key. Um, and so I guess it was good because it kind of got me out there and it made running like something familiar. Um, so I didn't really start running until I played competitive sports until I was like 17. And then I found like high school finished and sports finished and I was used to being active. And so that's kind of when I just like put on my running shoes and I'd start to just go for a run um, just to stay fit. And then from there, I just registered. There was like a local 10K I registered in and I did all right. Um, I got like placed in my age group or something. I was like 19. And then that's just sort of like, you know, your competitive self. <laughs> so I got like pulled into it, I guess, through that. So like after my 10K, it was probably, it took me a good like few years to get up to a half marathon distance. Finished my first half marathon in 2007. I remember like cresting the last hill and being like, I'm never running. That's ridiculous. Who would do this two times over? Um and then like the next year, my sister's like, oh, there's this marathon where they give you like a Tiffany's necklace from a firefighter and a tuxedo at the finish line. And I was like, oh, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was my first marathon it was in San Francisco. It was like the Nike women's marathon in 2008. <laughs> and that's how your sister sold it to you. You know, she's just like, oh, it, totally. Yeah, it was, pa it was it was packaged. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we could do this. Nope, nope. Fireman at the end, tuxedo, whatever. To and Tiffany. So, like, yep. Yeah. Okay. Who's gonna say no? Yeah. I mean, I'm in. And then you're like, I'll never do this twice. Ah, uh, never say never. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how many people have been on my show that said they'd never run a marathon after the first one, and you know they're on some godforsaken number now, but. 
Um, yeah. So this was just an epic race for you. Um, but let's look at it as like you kind of almost have two phases of running life going. You know, you have before your surgery, right? And now you're coming back and, you know, you just hit masters and you have all these other big goals ahead. But um, do you have like one running meaningful moment? It could be from anywhere. It could be when you were a kid, like you said, seven years old that like shaped you, that's like kept you like on this journey, if you will. Um, You know what? I think there's just been like a few breakthrough moments. And I think like for me, um, well, probably one of them was like Chicago 2019. Um, and I think like, so, th- and it's just like the finish line memory there. Like I still have really vivid memories of crossing that finish line and just being like so proud. Um, and I think a big part of that is just like, you put so much work in this over so many years and it's so cool to think like how that consistency just takes you to places that you never thought you'd go. Um, and it's like, it's doesn't matter. I don't think whether you're like, you're breaking the five hour mark for the first time or the three hour mark for the first time. It's like that. Yeah. It's that feeling of like that sense of accomplishment that you get at the finish line where you've just worked your butt off and like, this is your moment. And I, I don't know like how many other sports where you have, like you have that, like you're in con- kind of in control of your destiny. Like you get to do it. And, like how many sports are there where like you get that feeling and you can have that feeling at the age of like 20, but then you can also have that feeling at the age of like 80. <laughs> like it's so cool. And so I think like, there's just been so many of those moments in my running career where I've like crossed that finish line and had that sense of accomplishment. I think for me, like that sort of like what keeps me ticking is like, okay, I want to feel that again. (laughs) I want to feel that again. And it's not necessarily like a PB every time. It's like whatever sense of accomplishment you have from the work that you've put in to get you there. And so, yeah, if I hadn't run a PB in Chicago, I still would have had that feeling because I had to work my butt off to get back to it after knee surgery. And so there's, yeah, I think for me, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Well, you you said that so well. I mean, you captured a lot of really powerful points in there. Um, It isn't about the time, um, although in many cases, we might put the time as the thing, you know, but really it is. It could be a divorce, a loss of a business, a loss of a pet. I lost my my beautiful dog two days before Boston. There's just so many things that happen to us in our journey in life. And but some of them are great. Some of them are amazing. We're getting engaged. We're getting married. We're pregnant. I mean, there's wonderful markers of things. They're not negative markers. There's wonderful markers too. But it tends to be loss or difficulty or real challenges that hit us in life. And then somehow when we can pair running up with that to work our way through that, you know, you're coming back from this massive surgery with all these doubts like, gee, am I ever going to be this person who I once was? And can I ever be maybe even better? Let me be really bold here and think like, could I be better than that person who I visualized, who I was strong, fast, you know, fierce, feisty, all the Fs, you know, you know, drop them all. Um, So like we think about those things, but, you know, a marathon to finish it, that's the culmination point, right? When we cross that finish line, it's, there's nothing else like it because you said it so well. It's not a 5K. It's not a 10K. It's something that's going to challenge every one of us from a Shalane Flanagan and a Des Linden to you, me. And, and the last finisher in New York, it brings me like just 
the most rawest emotions when I see people out there at that finish line and it's eight o'clock at night and there are people cheering and there's phones lit up and the community comes together. So it's beautiful that you picked that's that moment versus maybe your fastest time. But let's let's segue into all the work that you had to do to come back, you know, from your surgery, man, because you know, that's a big deal. Like, and I listened to your show with Matt and, you know, obviously you didn't even know your ACL was torn. You know, you didn't have an MRI. So like so much of this was like found out after you're at the surgeon, like, it's not even like you knew what you were in for, like when you went there. So I think to some degree you were like shocked and kind of, it's almost like you got sucker punch. Like, wait, what? You know, <laughs> I have a meniscus problem. Wait, I have this problem. Um, so you, you had so many other things, you know, kind of dumped in your lap, let's say. So, you know, talk about your, just like your rehab process, you know, how long it took, um, what were the ups and downs? And, you know, I know you probably share that on your own Instagram page, but this is like another channel, right? For anybody else that might be broken right now or injured or sidelined that thinks like, I'm a mom, I have two kids. I'm never going to get back. I'm never going to get fit like that again. I'm never going to be able to run like that. So talk us through it. Tell us, tell us what it was like, you know, the highs and the lows. Yeah. So, I mean, going into it, like I was, I went from peak running, I was like 36. Um, I was like, felt like I was just like in my glory days of running, I was running really strong and then yeah, injured my knee. And it took me like six months after my injury to figure out that I had torn my ACL. And so then when I figured out I torn, torn my ACL, I had one month until my surgery. So surgery happens the first six weeks. I was on crutches. Um, so no weight bearing. Um, and then for six months, no running. Um, and so that would, I would say that was definitely the most challenging part. Um, toward the end of that six month mark, I could get on the elliptical and I could bike. Um, and so that's sort of what kept me sane as somebody who really likes to sweat. Um, and then there was just like a lot of strength training, um, and physio exercises in there. And so I think the blessing was like going into knee surgery. I was used to putting a certain much amount of time and effort into my training. And so I really just carried that over. Like it was just that it looked different. And so instead of spending all the hours running, I was spending the hours like biking or elliptical or water running. Um, and trying to build strength. Um, and then it was also COVID too. So it's frustrating. Like I ended up having to buy an elliptical because like you couldn't go to the gym. So like, it was just, I had to work through all of that as well. And then, so six months you get back to running, but like as somebody is used to running high mileage, you're like, Oh, I'm back running. Like I should, <laughs> you think, you think you're actually running, but you're not like you're running and walking. Um, lots of running and walking and then some of like the alter G thrown in there um, and elliptical and everything to supplement it. And so um, it really took like closer to a year to build my mileage up to the point where I was like running a decent amount that kept me happy. Like I was running like a 10, 11 mile long run still supplementing it with a lot of elliptical, um, still doing a lot of strength training and, and trying to build a little bit of speed in there by the end of the first year. 
It's grueling. I mean, that's a really long, that's a really long period of, you know, six months crutches and then six months of no running, you know, like that's a long time. Um, that's, that's a really long time. And that could basically take the most positive person and just, you know, really just completely fuck with mindset. Um, because we're active people. Um, we're used to, like you said, not just sweating, but we're used to moving our bodies, man. And to be, um, shelved for that long is really tough. Um, so I'm sure you had some real mental challenges in there, um, as well while you were, while you were working through that, how long did it take when you were back to running, like run walking and all that stuff? How was, were you still feeling pain? Cause that's the thing that people that are injured or other injured runners are listening want to know, because I think that's important stuff. I know from my own self with like a stress fracture or whatever, like I wondered sometimes if some of my pain was real or if I was just thinking it was there or his nerves, like still, you know, being agitated, like let you know, Hey, you had an injury in this right knee. So for you, like how long did it take before you really weren't feeling pain there, you know, after your surgery and rehab and PT and all that stuff. Yeah. I think I, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say I had pain. Um, uh, yeah. So when I got back to running, there was no pain in my knee, but what would happen is like, they pushed it a little bit too hard. It would blow up, it would swell up on me. And so then like, I found that really frustrating. Cause then you're like, like I'm doing that. Like I'm, do- I'm doing like a fraction of what I'm used to doing. And like, you're blowing up on me. <laughs> what the heck? And so that part I found really frustrating. There are a lot of times where I'd like try to get a workout or like, maybe, okay, maybe this week I'll, this week I'll push it to two workouts and then it would blow up on me. And then I'd be like, okay, like back to the elliptical, back to water running. Like, mur, mur, mur. <laughs> so I, yeah, the, it wasn't pain. It was just more this like start and stop, like start and stop, start and stop. It was just this like process of trying to figure out at each stage what it could handle. Um, Yeah. And then what happened was at the one year mark, I went back for like my one year final assessment with my surgeon. Actually, it was a different surgeon than it was a surgeon in his practice, but a different surgeon who saw me for that appointment. And I was like, it was through that time where I was like trying to figure out how much I could run on it. It was blowing up on me and I was frustrated And she looked at me and she's like, well, you know, like you should probably just give up on running marathons because it's too hard on your knee. And I was like, what? (laughs) Excuse me? Yeah, you should stop running marathon. It's like, you shouldn't be running marathons. It's too hard. I was like, I get like another appointment where I just like held it together during the appointment. And then I walked out and I was like, oh, (laughs) You've just ruined my life and you don't even know it. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We're we're all wired the same, man. Every single runner, we're all so the same. And uh that's why I tell people I won't even go to a dentist that isn't a runner. I won't go to anyone. The ki- it doesn't matter <laughs> totally. what kind of doctor I'm gonna go to. It could be like I have an earache. I'm sorry, do you uh are you a runner? Do you work with runners? No, okay. Thanks. I sorry. Sorry. I, I don't ask about insurance. Do you take my insurance? I'm like, sorry, you're a runner. No, no, okay. All right, thanks. Because it's like if we're not gonna have that conversation, running is bad for you. And it's amazing how many people are in the medical field that have gone to medical school and you know, they're be out there you know, putting that kind of information out there. It's, it's really a shame. And, um, but you know, that's, we're not going to take that and just go, okay, I'm done. 
I'm yeah. going to give up. If anything, that all, from the people that I talk to in my show that I'm blessed to meet and talk to, um, they just take that as fuel to the fire, man. It's just like, okay, you don't think I can do this shit? Or, yeah. But I mean, at that point, it's hard for you because you see the other reaction, right? Every time you even push it a little bit, your knee is blowing up on you. So mm -hmm. that's really hard, man. I give you like, I'll say a golf clap, but I'll give you the, give you a hand because it's hard when that's happening, then you almost feel like you're sabotaging yourself. So you start questioning your own, am I doing this right? Or am I doing it wrong? Yeah. And so like, there's those feelings too. So, you know, kudos to you for hanging in there, man. And not, uh, and switching back as you did, you went back to elliptical, you went back to pool running, you know, when you had those, let's say flare ups, if you will, um, to manage mm -hmm. it and you made it, you made it to the other side, man. And that's, that's, that's the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's, there's power, there's power in sharing the trip ups. There's power in sharing the swell ups and the knee blowing up and the doctor even telling you that information. Because again, for me, the whole point of the show is for somebody to learn your journey and what you went through, not just the great stuff, but the struggles before you got to the great stuff and then the intermediate stuff in between, because you know, that's what we're, we're about, man. We learn way more from our failures and when we trip and fall down than when we do, when we're, you know, flying through the finish line, you know, like Kelvin kipped him with the arms out. I mean, not that that isn't cool. I'd like to run a two hour marathon. I'm sure you would too, okay. but, um, you know, it's like insane, but you know, like we, we learn more from this other stuff and I guarantee you, like, do you feel like different about your yourself. I mean, your mindset, I mean, from what you've been through, man, I mean, you've been through a really tough, tough setback that would have taken a lot of people off the board and just said, you know what? I'm 40. I'm not really going to be able to do this anymore. Maybe I'll just be good at 10 Ks and I'll, I won't go any more than half marathon. And I'll just take my marathon dream aside and I'll find something else to dream up. So you didn't, you didn't take that road. You know, you stayed in there, man. The theme of this show is stay in the fight, man. The sign's right behind me. Um, that's the mantra <laughs> of this show. Like you could have, you could have taken that news and been like, okay, the doctor told me I'm out, but you went the other way. So, you know, you must feel differently about yourself in your, in your mindset coming through such a challenging situation. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Like you don't really see it when it's happening, um, and I think it happens with maturity too, but I think like you can't help but go through setbacks and learn from them. And so, yeah, for sure. Like my whole mentality in terms of how I approach my running and my racing has changed hugely and definitely for the better. Um, I was hoping something good would come out of it because yeah, sometimes it does. Um, and I would say, yeah, for sure. It completely changed the way that I see my running um, just in terms of, like, I think I, yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not so focused on the end goal. I'm more focused on the process and the joy in it. And that right there is worth it because we do this for fun. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> there's nobody like holding a gun to our head saying, go run 26.2. Like we're picking, we're choosing to do this and like, it should be fun. And so I'm yeah. To have just gotten that mindset um, from all of it. Yeah. It honestly does make it worth it and then that sense of accomplishment to have been through it and um yeah and then come out strong on the other end for sure yeah and now you you have to have a lot more people that are reaching out to you after that result that know the hardships you were going through 
you know, to get to that point. They know about your surgery. If they're following you on your page and they're following your training and, you know, what you write about and what you share out there, they have to know about that. So that's the cool part is um, they'll celebrate with you. And then the ones who aren't healthy right now, maybe the ones who are injured or just got injured, they can, you know, kind of tap into what you've been through, uh, maybe share or learn some things from your own experience here, this show, here, the show with Matt or other places that may, maybe you'll talk to other people. Hopefully you'll talk to lots of other people um, and share and share your story. But that's what, that's what we're in it for, man. We're in it to share and help others do a better job. You're a teacher, man. You, you know this, man, <laughs> you know, that's it. Hopefully. Man. I yeah. hope someone can like, I don't know, become inspired from it. I yeah, of course. Come on. I saw all comments on your posts after Chicago. There's a ton of positive comments in there about, you know, what you've done and coming back from. And um, it's cool, man. We can we can all be inspired. And it doesn't have to be by somebody running a 246, as you said. It could be the last finisher in New York could inspire somebody more. It can be somebody. 100%. Uh, yeah, I oh, just yeah. Uh, had a conversation with somebody a day before New York, he's a type one diabetes runner and he averaged under 245 for all the six majors with type one diabetes. I mean, it's crazy to Amazing. have that and have to deal with insulin and all that stuff I and, and know exactly yeah. what's going on that you could crash and really be in trouble out there in an instant if you don't have your fueling right and you're running the same paces that you're running, which you know are really fast. So, you know, over a little bit over six minute pace. So it's it's amazing. So there's always somebody out there doing something that could inspire us. And that's, um, that's super 100%. cool. Um, so how about a mantra? Um, this show's mantra is stay in the fight. It's mine, but I don't care if you like that one or whatever, use it yourself. But have you ever written anything down in your hand on your forearm or some body part, you know, that you thought about on your training runs or maybe got you through difficult sections, um, when you were getting ready to build or a race or just some maybe thoughts that you might cycle through in the race, if you're in a, in a patch where you're struggling. Yeah, I have written mantras before. To be honest, I can't even remember in the past what I've done, but I've totally sharpied stuff <laughs> on my hand. Um, the one thing I usually do is I'll throw like a little pocket-sized picture of my kids in my in my um, shorts when I run. Love it. <laughs> and then like I always find like anything to do with my kids kind of like makes me run stronger. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of try to carry them with me. And then if like things get hard, I kind of think about them. Um, yeah, or just like just single, like one sim simple word, like fight, or like strong, or like just something that I know that I can cue into. Um, yeah, love it. How old are they? Uh, my daughter's seven, and my son is ten. Oh, so they're they they can totally be aware of of how badass mom is right now. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, they they don't they don't understand like the times, um, but they certainly can see you know, like you're flying and ripping times. Like they have to be impressed with what mom's doing. No. I, I mean, to some extent they witness a lot of my treadmill running. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like most of the time I'm running in the morning, they'll like, they'll just come down and my daughter will just be like watching TV while I'm like dying on the treadmill behind her. So they see it. Um, I don't know that they really get it. Like my, I won a couple of local races in the spring. And so my daughter got used to me like winning races. <laughs> and so then when I went to Chicago, she's like, Oh mom, I think you're going to win. <laughs> I like, yes. Eh, pretty sure not. <laughs> yes. So yeah, they don't like really, I don't know. I don't know what they think about it. They listen to like the first five minutes of the last podcast I was on. And then they said it was boring and told me to turn it off. So <laughs> 
Oh God. Unfiltered. <laughs> just a boring mom. <laughs> Un, no, but unfiltered at that age, you know, God bless, yeah, man. Totally. You know, like there's just no whatever. And if it was somebody else's mom or somebody else's dad, they might've been like, oh wow. Hey, <laughs> someone's dad is on a show. Look, it's on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah, so it, it's all good, man. And you know, at some point, you know, that's just the coolest thing in the world at that age. I mean, I remember I used to do a ton of stroller miles with my son when he was really young and now he's 26 oh, years yeah. old and he's grown and he, he was captain uh -huh. of his cross country team in high school and we don't get to run oh, too awesome. yeah we don't get to run too much anymore he lives in vermont but um and he's not home in the new york area too much like he comes back you know for music and performances but he's kind of in and out when he does come back but every once in a while i get lucky enough and we get to run in central park or we run on the water and that's um, so cool it's the best i really man. hope i can do that and do you think he got to that like through you like from watching you, did he start running? Yeah, I mean, he. I coached his travel baseball team because I was a Division One college baseball player. So I coached all of his baseball all the way up through high school. He was high school baseball player too. And then he, um, before he went to his high school, which was in New York, which he had to commute to, you know, they, they told the parents like they need a sport or a club. Um, because these kids are all going to school in Manhattan. Very few of the kids were from Manhattan. They were from, you know, Staten Island, the different boroughs, just like the New York City is the five borough race, or they're from New Jersey or they're from somewhere else. They're coming into New York City. So it's almost like a college kid, but you're high school age. So he um he just said to me like two days before school, he's like, Dad, you, you think I should try for cross country? And I was like, What? He's like, Yeah. He goes, Will you help me? I said, What do you want me to help you with? He goes, Will you run with me and help me like make the team? And I was just like, and his mom was a really good runner. So I was just like, Wait, you're asking me? I'm like, Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, we, <laughs> yes. we logged a lot of miles and uh God bless oh, those kids. So cool. God bless his kids that he ran with. I there's some of his really close friends today, but you know, after high school and college, like things are you know, it's still a very moving, fluid situation. And they're all over the place. I mean, some of them are in different states, different countries, but he's not running as much as he used to. And believe me, if I had ever put the arm on him to run a marathon with me at some point, that would be just like my- you run a marathon Yeah, together. just like, come That's on. That's like man. my biggest hope with my kids. I'm like, at some point, like, I, obviously I'm not gonna force it. Them, yeah. But like, I really hope at some point they're like, mom, let's run a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I'm running a marathon and I'll be like, okay, I'm coming with you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that's, that's the dream. That's the dream, but we'll see. I mean, you know, you have two, so you have a better, you have better odds. You have two, maybe one of them. And then if the one did it, then maybe the other one want to, but you at least have two shots. I have one, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's certainly a cool thing to think about for the future. And, you know, I'm sure they're uh, playing sports and doing other things and, you know, whatever it's fun, I'm right? Busy. I mean, yeah. You're busy, of course, man. And that's what you want. You want them to be active, man. As long as they're running around doing stuff, that's what you want. Uh, they're not, sure. <laughs> not in front of a TV screen all day, you know, playing video games. That's not the way to go. Um, so, um, the last question I always ask every guest is about community service. Um, I think it's something, um, some people on the show have done some really cool and profound things. Some people haven't done anything at all, but maybe they did in high school or college. They volunteered. You're a teacher by nature. So you're already giving of community service. You're already doing things in your community every single day. Um, but is there anything specifically that you get to do? Because you probably don't have a whole lot of free time as a mom of two and a teacher and a runner. But is there anything that you are currently doing or would like to do in the community service area to give back and maybe have an impact? Yeah, I mean, definitely don't have a ton of time right now. Um, I love coaching. And so um, I do do some coaching. Like my school is a K to nine school. So I've done some coaching at the junior high level. Um and those are, I mean, I guess that's part of my job, but it's not paid for it's sort of under volunteer hours, I guess. Um, and then 
One thing I really like is just getting my little guys, my little kindergartners out running and moving. And so um, usually I, our local like marathon will do like a kid's race. And um, the idea is like the kid's race, they track um, all the kilometers that they run at home. So they're supposed to run 41 kilometers at home. And then the idea is they run their 42nd kilometer on like race day on the kid's race. So I've done that in the past with my kindergartners where I, um, they register for like Calgary marathon kids race. And then we do all the like kilometers leading up to that race together at school. And that always makes me so happy because we just get out running every morning together. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, it's so cool to watch little kids run. And this is what I love about teaching phys ed is like, as soon as they start running, like they have this big on their face. Like there's every kid is so happy to run. Like being a phys ed teacher is the happiest job ever because they just like come in and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think for sure getting more involved in getting kids in sport is the direction that I'd like to go once, uh, once I have a little bit of time. <laughs> That's a beautiful initiative. And your face was like lit up as you were talking about it, which is why I, I like to, you know, have this be the end part of the episode because it makes us think of what else we can do. What else are we really naturally inclined to want to do? Um, and I had a teacher on, she's a dear friend of mine, Darcy, down in Texas, and she started a whole program and it's, it's similar to what you're doing. I'll share her information with you um, when the show's that, yeah. over. And um, it's based on all of these things. These kids have to be on the schoolyard almost an hour before school to be part of this and whatever it's called, I don't think it's called a run club, but whatever it is, they get stars, they get all these things. And these kids are just, they're just doing awesome. You know, just they're getting there earlier to be active and be part of this thing. And, you know, she's one of uh, a bunch of teachers that, you know, kind of launched it and got it going. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I just love to see it. And, you know, like in this world we live in, it's not like the old days where you would have to pick up a phone directory to say, who could I call at Nike to see if we could do something? I mean, you could reach out on Instagram to any brand that exists, period. Mm-hmm. You know, Adidas, That's Nike, yeah. Saucony, anybody, and just say, hey, I'm a teacher. I just ran 246 in Chicago. I've got a huge dream. Maybe I want to run in the Olympic trials one day or something like that. But what my bigger dream would be, I want to get these kids involved and get them active. Like, we'd love to get a brand to sponsor us with some, some equipment for kids or some shirts or t-shirts or maybe, I don't know, branded or something, you know, and get them involved. So those are always fun, fun ways to have the end of the conversation to be a little thought provoking for not only the guest I'm talking to, but anybody listening, because there's a lot of educators, a lot of people out there that are in the community that might be like, hey, I heard your show with Polly. I actually work in marketing for Saucony. I think I might be able to help them. I know they're in Canada, but I'll talk to my counterpart (laughs) or something. So who knows? Maybe, um, Maybe we can get something cool going to help what you already have going and just, you know, put something, put a little more meat onto it, you know, and make it even cooler than it is already. Yeah, that's right. That's a really good point. Forget how accessible things are now. Yeah. So it's been so fun, Polly. I mean, I really enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything that we didn't get to? um, Maybe one last message that you want to leave the audience with, you know, about life or running in general, just something maybe you want to leave as a final message. Yeah, I guess. I don't know dream big. (laughs) Like you'll, if if you're consistent, you're probably going to get to places you didn't think you could. And so have those big goals and just work, put in the work and you're going to be surprised where you get. Love it. Great message and a great place for us to land it. Well, again, it's, it's been super fun. Um, 
getting to see you on the screen, getting to know you. Um, and Thank follow you. your follow your journey. I'm inspired by it. And um, I know lots of other people are. So it's been wonderful that you came on to talk to me. And it'll be a few weeks before this drops, but I can't wait to get it out there and share it with everybody. Um, it's just been a super fun convo. So um, as we say at the end of every episode, we tell the runners to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was so much fun. Really enjoyed uh, digging in with Polly on everything she battled with her injury, not just the physical elements, you know, of her knee getting swollen and having to go back to pool running and and just, uh, you know, get back to elliptical, you know, when her knee would get swollen and she was nowhere near the kind of mileage she was used to running um, before she finally made it through to the other side where things stabilized and she started to get healthy again and get comfortable but she faced a lot of doubts. Uh, she had been on such an upward trajectory, racing and, and getting faster uh, before that injury. And it's a couple of years before she was able to really get fully healthy and show up in Chicago and turn out that amazing top 10 performance, ninth place, 246, and earned herself a free bib this year through the American Development Group. So good for her. Um, I enjoyed how open she was on some of the struggles she faced and her shift in mindset to, uh, you know, to really look at things from a different perspective, um, obviously focusing on, you know, process goals uh, versus outcome and times uh, and finding more joy in her running, which is uh, certainly um, leading to some really good results for her. So super stoked to continue to follow her journey. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the listen. Um, and if you find something really fun in the episode or something moving or, you know, share it with someone maybe who's struggling with some injuries or maybe even a similar injury, uh, maybe another mom trying to make it back on the comeback trail, um, this might be a great episode to share. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some uh, positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and help us continue to get great guests like Polly to come on and share their inspiring journey. So thank you all for being part of the Run Chats fam. Wishing you all an early happy holidays, all the best with your running, and hope to see a bunch of you out there at races in 2024. Keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out. <laughs>